Friends, if you have your Bibles, please open with me to the book of Exodus. We're in chapter 20. As we've mentioned, today we're looking at the ninth and 10th commandments, or excuse me, Exodus 20, 16 and 17. I invite you, if you're able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Exodus 20, 16 and 17. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his, or his male servant, nor his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Pray with me. Lord, this is your word is true in all that it says and teaches. Continue, God, to teach our hearts how to love each other well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, again, today is the last of five sermons on the Ten Commandments. And as we reach this fifth Sunday, we're talking about the last two commandments, the ninth and tenth, lying and coveting. So as we start this sermon this morning, I want to start the same way we did last week. If you remember last week, we started by reading an Old Testament story about an Old Testament king, King David, from 2 Samuel. Well, friends, today let's start in like manner. Let's read another Old Testament story about an Old Testament king. But this time it's not David. We're going to talk about King Ahab. We're in 1 Kings chapter 21 this morning. This is the story of Ahab, King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, and Naboth. This is the story of Naboth's vineyard. This is 1 Kings 21, 1 through 16. And as we read this text, I want you to look for the sins of lying and coveting. Now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel, beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen, because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would, and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you, uh, <clears throat> that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread 
And let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. She wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying, you have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give to you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. What a story, huh? Here is a king who was filled with so much discontentment, so much envy, that it led him not only to coveting what his neighbor had, but also to lying about it. And that led to stealing, and stealing led to murder. Friends, with this story in our background, today we're studying the ninth and 10th commandments. Commandments that deal with lying and coveting. And as we look at these commandments and examine this story, let's ask the Lord to continue to teach us how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's review, as we have done each week, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, asking the questions about each commandment. What is required? What is forbidden? What is required in the ninth commandment, dear friends? The ninth commandment requireth the maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man and of our own and our neighbor's good name, especially in witness bearing. What is forbidden? The ninth commandment forbiddeth whatsoever is prejudicial to truth or injurious to our own or our neighbor's good name. Well, what about the Tenth Commandment? What is required? The Tenth Commandment requireth full contentment with their own condition, with the right and charitable frame of spirit towards our neighbor and all that is his. What is forbidden? The Tenth Commandment forbiddeth all discontentment with our own estate envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor 
in all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. For five weeks now, we've looked at the law of God. Let's remember the summary of the law. Jesus says in Matthew 22, the summary is all about love. Loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, that vertical relationship, that's what the first four commandments teach us. But it's also about loving your neighbor as ourselves, that horizontal relationship between you and other people looking to the interest of others. So today, as we consider these last two commandments, let's look at them together instead of separate. Because as we look at this story about King Ahab, we see that these two sins often travel together. For Ahab is going to teach us that actually the sin of coveting, the 10th commandment, led him to the sin of lying, which was the ninth commandment. Let's examine this story. You see, when Ahab came to Naboth and asked about that vineyard, you could actually say that Ahab started off on the right foot. He had a good plan. He wanted that vineyard that was beside um, where he lived. And he went to Naboth and said, you know what? You've got this vineyard. I'd really like to have it. Let's do one of two things. I'll give you another vineyard that I have that's better than the one that you have. Or if you don't want to do that, I'll buy it from you. Two good propositions. But Naboth wanted to consider those propositions and make his own decision. And he did. His vineyard was a family inheritance. He wanted to keep it for his descendants. So he said to Ahab, you know what? Um, you know, maybe appreciate the offer, but don't, don't want to do this. It's not going to be good for me and my family later on. Uh, I see your propositions, uh, but no deal. I want to keep my own vineyard. So, dear friends, what did Ahab do when he was told he couldn't have the vineyard? Was he fully content with his own condition? Did he consider that he already had several vineyards in his own possession? And was he content? Absolutely not. Did he have a right and charitable frame of spirit towards his neighbor, Naboth? No, he didn't do that either. Actually, the Bible says instead of being content, instead of having a good spirit towards his neighbor, what did he do? The scriptures teach us that he coveted his neighbor's vineyard to the point where the Bible says he was vexed and couldn't eat. In other words, he pouted, didn't he? He pouted. He didn't get his way. And that's when Queen Jezebel, his wife, entered the picture. You see, instead of telling her husband to be content with his own condition, instead of telling her husband, hey, you need to have a right and charitable frame of spirit towards your neighbor, Naboth, what did she do? She took a can of gasoline and she dumped it on the fire of covetousness, right? I mean, she just poured it on. She did what we call a power play right? A power play. 
She reminded Ahab, by, by the way, who's king? Who's king? Right? Don't you know that you're the king? Don't you know that I'm the queen? Ahab, we need to use our authority and we can destroy this guy and you can have the vineyard. The vineyard that you love, the vineyard that you covet. And friends, we can clearly see it in the text. Ahab and Jezebel, they put their desires ahead of their neighbor's best interest. And a plan was created. And the key part of that plan was what? A lie. The central key part of the plan was bearing false witness against your neighbor. Let's just make up this story. Let's go get two worthless men to bear false witness against Naboth. Let them say that he did something that he didn't do. And guess what? When that happens, everybody's going to believe the lie. Naboth will be dead. And that vineyard, oh, that vineyard that we really want, it will be ours. And dear friends, that's exactly what happened. Their covetousness led to abuse of authority. Abuse of authority crafted and created a lie. And the lie led to the death of Naboth, who was an innocent man. And that vineyard, which was rightly owned by Naboth, became the possession of the king. Friends, these are the vicious consequences of lying. And coveting. You know, friends, when we read a story like that, when we consider all those elements, we need to ask a question of ourselves. How has God called you and called me to live in the midst of a world that is filled with things like lying and coveting? I mean, is there anything different for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? In other words, how does the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your heart affect the way you live your life as it regards lying and coveting? Because the world, you see it in this text, the world teaches us to look out for ourselves only. And as you do that, you can use any means you want to accomplish that. You can use coveting, lying, stealing, even murder, as long as you get what you want. But the Lord Jesus Christ, who has changed our hearts by his grace, who has sent his Holy Spirit into our lives... He's the one that has loved us so much. He is the one who has gripped our hearts by his grace. And he has taught us that just as God has now loved us in Christ, we are therefore to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love each other, to look not just to the interest of self, but look to the interest of our neighbor. Dear friends, the law of God, these Ten Commandments, is all about loving your neighbor. 
And as we consider lying and coveting today, how is God teaching us to live our lives amongst our neighbors that we might love them well? You know, we, we look at this story and we really see coveting leading to lying. The Tenth Commandment leading to the Ninth, really, in the life of Ahab. So let's talk about it in that order. Let's talk about coveting and then we'll talk about lying for just a moment. But let's look at the Apostle Paul. You know, when we talk about coveting, the Bible teaches us that the biblical answer to coveting is actually another word that starts with the letter C. And you saw it in the answers of the catechisms. Contentment. What's the opposite of coveting? Contentment. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul for a moment. You know, when we think about the Apostle Paul and we read Acts, we read Corinthians, we consider all the many ways that he suffered for the Lord. In fact, I say there's not one of us in this room that's going to suffer anything like Paul suffered for the gospel. Paul was arrested, beaten, put in prison, stoned, put in prison again, shipwrecked, many other things for the gospel. And this is a man who had many difficult things happen to him. And one might think, you know, Paul, in what he did in his life, he was obeying God, right? He was obeying God, serving as a missionary to the Gentile world, yet all these negative, these bad things were happened to, happening to him. We might think that Paul would be the leader in coveting someone else's lifestyle. We might think Paul would be the leader in whining or complaining about what's going on in his life and looking to covet what someone else has. But God had worked something else in Paul's heart. He had worked contentment. Let's consider this one story from Paul. Do you remember Acts 16? Acts 16 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's right in the middle of those missionary journeys. It's the second missionary journey. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they go to a city called Philippi. And they get there, they meet Lydia the seller of purple, share the gospel with her. Lydia gets saved. She comes to know the Lord. They go into the town. They meet this demon-possessed girl. And she was being used by the people of the town to make money. But through the power of Jesus Christ, through the ministry of Paul and Silas, this young girl is made whole. And she's made in her right mind. And the people of the town didn't like that because their way of making money was gone. So you know what they did to Paul and Silas? They beat them. They arrested them, and they put them in prison. And Acts 16 picks up that account in the prison. And you might say, what's Paul doing in prison? He's obeying God, right? Why is he being beaten? Why, why is he in prison? And you might think that's a point in Paul's life where he would start coveting his neighbors. Those who are not going through all this bad stuff, right? You might think... He would be whining or complaining. I, I know I would be. But when we read Acts 16, what are Paul and Silas doing? You know the Bible says they were doing two things. They were praying and singing. Those are the two things they were doing. Praying and singing. They were content even in that terrible circumstance. And you know what God did? He literally 
opened a door, right? You know, we pray for doors to be opened in our lives. God literally did that in the prison. He opened the door. But what did Paul and Silas do? Did they run to go find the, the people that they might be coveting? No. They stayed there and even told the guard they were there. The guard comes up to them and says, what? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas shared the gospel with him. And that man comes to know the Lord. And they go to his house. The gospels continue to be shared. People are getting baptized. And the church is started in Philippi. Later on in Paul's life, he found himself in prison in Rome. And it was during that Roman time in prison that he wrote four letters of the New Testament. One of them was Philippians. And you think about what's he going to say, right, to the Philippians. I mean, think about what, what happened to him in Philippi. Do you know that, that Paul writes with more joy in the book of Philippians, maybe than any other book? And in that book, this is what... Paul says, we'll put it up on the screen. This is Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He talks about contentment. Listen, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that whatever situation I am to be what? Content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need i can do all things through him who strengthens me i bet you knew that verse right 413 but do you know why he said that verse this is the context paul is saying i have learned in my life god has taught me in my life contentment that means whether it's a bad day or a good day whether I have nothing or whether I'm, I'm abounding in things. Christ in my life gives me peace, gives me contentment, and I can do all of these things because of Christ who strengthens me. You know, he could have looked back and just condemned the city for so much wrong they had done to him. But he was filled with joy and contentment. Why? Because here's a man who was completely satisfied with what the Lord had given him for that day. He had learned contentment. There was no trace of coveting. Step back for a moment. Compare these two stories. Compare 1 Kings 21 and Ahab to Acts 16 with Paul. What do we learn we learn the difference. In 1 Kings, we learn that coveting is consumed with gratifying the self. Contentment in Acts 16 is consumed with serving other people. Coveting led to killing an innocent life. But contentment led to God-saving Sinners like that Philippian jailer. And friends, personally, when I look at these two stories and I see the lessons of contentment from Paul and we follow him through his life, 
you know, I'm reminded of my own sinfulness because I'm one of those that's kind of quick to covet, quick to envy, quick to whine. It's all too often that I complain and argue and I let envy and greed in my heart instead of being satisfied with what the Lord has given me. And I have to ask this question. It makes me wonder how many opportunities I am missing for the gospel because of my covetous heart. How many opportunities are we missing for the gospel because of a covetous heart? Because consider Paul. I mean, if Paul had had a covetous heart, if, if, if he had done the whining and complaining, he would have completely missed the opportunity to share the gospel with that Philippian jailer. How many opportunities are we missing because of a covetous heart? But secondly, let's look at lying. You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he acknowledged, as we've talked about these last couple of weeks, these are new believers. These were people that were being saved in a pagan society. Things like lying was normal for them. It was a Gentile culture. But when Paul writes to them in Ephesians, he says, this old way of living, that's not the way you've learned Christ. There's a change. You need to put off this old man, put on this new man in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first way he tells them to do that is Ephesians 4.25. We'll put it on the screen. Paul says to them, tell the truth. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor. For we are members of one another, or we are members of one body. Think about the image of the body. The, the Bible calls believers the body of Christ, right, in 1 Corinthians 12. I want you to think about what would happen to your physical body if your body lied to itself. What would happen if your hand, and the nerves on your hand, lied to your brain? And your hand said the oven is 70 degrees, but it was actually 300 degrees. You'd get burned. You'd get burned pretty bad. What would happen if your eyes lied to your mind? What if your eyes told you the light was green when it was really red? And you went, you, you started going. What would happen? You'd get in an accident. You could die. You could kill someone else. That's what lying does. Just as your, if your body parts lie to the other parts, there's damage. What's going to happen in the body of Christ if we lie to one another? It's going to destroy the unity of the body. It destroyed Naboth's life. Lying friends will ruin your relationships. It will separate your friendships. Lying advances the kingdom of Satan. But truth, truth is what God wants. Jesus says he is the way and the truth. Dear friends, we think about the book of Proverbs. What does God think about lying from the book of Proverbs? We remember this text. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. One of them is a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord amongst 
the brethren. Do you let's understand, dear friends, lying made God's top seven things that are an abomination to him. Let's understand that God is a God of truth. Jesus said it this way, I am the way and the truth and the life. Question, how often do our lies separate us when God desires that truth unite us? This commandment causes every one of us to stop and think. I know it does me. It causes me to ask, am I telling the truth in all parts of my life? Or have I become comfortable maybe with some pagan ways like the Ephesians were that would make my life easier? Am I always telling the truth? Dear friends, as we conclude this series on the Ten Commandments, as we look back at these specific two commandments. You know, we understand that life is full of all kinds of circumstances. Paul said in Philippians, he went from low to high. Sometimes he had a lot of stuff. Sometimes he had nothing. There's good days and there's bad days. But in every single one of these times, God has called him and he's called us to hearts of contentment in whatever situation that we are in. And who knows how many opportunities for the gospel that we might be losing Because we run towards covetousness and not towards contentment. Let's remember that God will supply every one of our needs according to his riches and glory. And let's remember something today that coveting will lead to lying. Just as it did with Ahab in regards to Naboth. And lying will tear down the body of Christ just like it tore down Naboth's life. God has called us, dear friends, to truth. Jesus is is truth that's why god has called us to truth and we pray dear friend that as we seek truth as we seek contentment god will enable all of that to allow us to love our neighbors as ourselves. if you want to really love your neighbor dear friend obey the law of our god let's pray